Hi again, everybody. I'm Jamie Allison, and this is the Big Idea Big Moves podcast. We talk to people from different niches, different areas of expertise, all people doing big things in their area. We talk to athletes like we will today, uh, but we also talk to CEOs. We talk to scientists. We talk to people just doing really cool things in their area that maybe we can translate into our lives as listeners. And and I know we're going to do some of that today. Just before we jump into that, um, like a lot of our guests and and people that are, are listening right now, um, a lot of people are really looking for that kind of whether it's a, a, a journal or a perfect planner to be able to kind of connect the different things in their lives. And, and uh, we think we've found one of those solutions, and that's Jim Gypsy. Um, Jim Gypsy has a, a bit of a different take on it where they have all of your regular kind of gym tracking, where they have strength and skill work, your PRs, your nutrition, but they also have a lot of information about why you're doing things and, and more of a whole life approach. So that's, that fits right in with what we do here at Big Idea, Big Moves. Um, so you can go to our Instagram profile and you can click right through there. And uh, we actually have a 20% off uh, section on there too, if you want to take advantage of that. So take a look at it and, and see if it'll work for you. Uh, the other thing that we have uh, coming up is that we're really looking forward to the launch of Epitome Sportswear. Um, that's a, a line that's going to kind of continue um, looking at the needs of, uh, you know, the high performance athletes and, and uh, people that are also just looking at um, being able to go from the, the boardroom to their Zoom calls and then maybe to the trails of the gym. So, uh, so we're really looking forward to that. Um, keep a watch for it and you'll see it uh, through our uh, social media channels as well. And, and today, I'm really happy to uh, have Rhea Koble with her, us today. She's a, a, a rel, well-rounded athlete. She started her pursuits in gymnastics and is now really focused on obstacle racing and, and hybrid sports. She's been on the podium at the Spartan U.S. National Series, has, uh, I think, twice won the world's toughest mutter, which is actually a 24-hour obstacle race. Um, she uh, has also been in the Spartan Ultra World Championship as well. She's finished second along with uh, another guest that we've had on Ryan Atkins um, uh, on a team at the Eco Challenge in Fiji. So hopefully we'll talk a little bit about that today as well. Um, and, and really cool as well is that she also has a degree in physics and astrophysics and a master's in science and engineering from Stanford. So, so lots to talk about today. And, and first of all, thanks for uh, taking the time for us today, Ray. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Gosh, that was quite an intro. <laughs> um, well, you know people what? People can't see me because I'm blushing over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you have like this fantastic background. I think it is important to see that um, that you're you're just one of those well-rounded people. And um, and it's funny we were talking about just before we came on here that uh, um, we were we were trying to set this up. And and I know that you were on, doing some vacation stuff in, in really cool spots and and also got in a bit of a cycling accident. Why don't we why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit about what happened. Hopefully everything is okay after that yeah um I think we got really lucky my boyfriend and I went over to Europe for about a month and we were joking when we were packing because we were bringing four bikes with us and another whole suitcase of scuba gears and we were both like why can't just like we go on like a vacation where we when we bring a book and go read something on the beach but that's just not how we are but then once we got to Europe actually I was there for a week already but once my boyfriend joined me we went on this gorgeous ride that I'd like really wanted to show him because I'm actually from Slovenia mm -hmm. um, and on the last descent uh, when we were descending on this narrow um, like windy mountain road there was a blind turn um, and after the blind turn there was construction and it had no warning sign for it and there was stop traffic there. So we basically went 30 miles an hour into the back of a stop motorcycle. 
Um, I got really, really, really lucky. Um, I got away with just a road rash on my elbow. Um, But my boyfriend basically shouldered the motorcycle, so he broke his collarbone. But everything considered, I feel like that could have ended a lot worse. Um, So I think it just kind of gave me an appreciation of how much luck plays in our lives. And um, yeah, it kind of changed our vacation from lots of riding to lots of hiking. But um, I think we were both really lucky to have that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It could have been much worse. So, um, so we're glad that uh, that everything turned out okay, and and hopefully everybody's pretty close to being back to normal. Um, so maybe you know, Ray, uh, uh, there's you've had a, a real varied path, and you you do a lot of different things now. But maybe we can track back a little bit because my understanding is you started in competitive gymnastics. Can you tell us a little bit about that, and um, and why that kind of transition into more kind of hybrid sports a little later in your life? Yeah, um, I basically grew up as a gymnast. Um, I grew up in Slovenia and I started gymnastics when I was, I think, five years old. Um, And it really quickly became something that was basically my life. Um, So I was on the national gymnastics team for about like eight years of my career. And um, I like it was the thing I wanted to do. Um, There's really nothing else that super interests me besides the gymnastics training. And yeah, so I did that until I was basically 17. And then um, it was a little bit of like overtraining together with actually what just came more into spotlight this year uh, with Simone Biles in the Olympic Games. Um, And it was basically the same thing that made her step out of the competition is also what made me um, end my career. And it was very sudden and very abrupt. And um, it was I wasn't ready to quit yet. And so I was kind of lost for a few years there looking for what could fill my time and fulfill me in the same way that gymnastics did and that's kind of when I turned into academia because I couldn't find like I think I was kind of grieving for the loss of the sport that I loved so I couldn't really find that same satisfaction in any other sport so I kind of went like 180 degree turn and like focused on something completely different. And I think a lot of people, you know, underestimate how much if if you're in uh, gymnastics is one of those sports where if if you're trying to get to the highest level, it does, you know, if you suddenly don't have that, that's a huge void in your life because of how much training there is to be able to get to that level. I think a lot of people don't understand that that is that is your life for a big chunk of time there. I, I would assume that would have been very difficult for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I basically went from like training every day for at least four hours, sometimes more to not training at all. And I was also at a sports high school where every every person had their sport. And so I had gymnastics and everybody else had their thing. So when I quit, I really didn't have any community. I didn't have any friends outside of the gym. So it was basically like, had to like find a completely different life. Yeah. Well, and, and then you went into um, kind of obviously full head on into academics, which which you've uh, um, you have a lot of accolades there as well. Is that um, uh, I guess, did you begin to kind of figure out a balance with kind of what you did athletically from from there moving forward? Or was it really very much a um, I did this for a chunk of life. And then after I finished some of that, I moved on to, uh, you know, doing some of the stuff that you're doing now. Is it was it a transition or, or did it kind of uh, you know happen over? time i think balance has never been one of my strong suits and so the same thing basically was with academia like i poured everything i had into gymnastics when i was little and then when i didn't have that i poured everything i had into academia 
Um, so I like went really hard into studying um, after that. Um, so yeah, I like never really thought much what I wanted to do with my life because my thing, my whole childhood was I wanted to be a gymnast. Mm -hmm. And so when I lost that, I like wasn't like, oh, like I would like to have this kind of career, or this kind of life when I grow up. It was more of a question like, what's the next hard thing I can put all of me into? Um, which is probably the reason why now I'm not using any of those degrees that I got. Um, it's not that I didn't enjoy the studying itself. I really like learning and I really like science and I really enjoyed my time. But I realized that the kind of life that fulfills me is not in the lab. Uh, that's interesting that that you've you've kind of figured that out. And and I know we'll we'll talk about some of the things that, that got you there. But, you know, is that... Um, how did you find that out? I mean, like that is something that it takes some people a long time to start to figure out, you know, that, you know, my, my life is going a certain direction and that's not what fulfills me. What do, what do you think would be some of the key things that, that helped you do that? Yeah, I think the main thing was when I was in the lab, like my, all of my other lab mates, when they were done with things that they that had due dates or deadlines, mm -hmm. they did like some reading, they like educated themselves further on it. And like when I was done with things I needed to do, I was like, okay, I'm going in the mountains or like on the trails at the time because there weren't mountains nearby. But I was always drawn to other things. And then for a, for a period of time, I was actually, when I was doing my PhD for about a year and a half, I was both racing semi-professionally and doing the PhD and doing neither of them 100%. And I could really tell which one made me happier. And I realized that probably for the first time in my life, I was exposed to people with like lives that were very varied because before when I was like very focused on that one thing that I was doing, I was surrounded by people who were doing the same. And so at all these races, I would meet all these people that were doing very different things and doing life in a very different way than like, okay, you get a degree, you get like married, you have a house, you have kids. They were like not doing that. And I was like, oh, there's like more than one way to have a successful and happy life and so that's when I actually probably for the first time started thinking like what do I want from life yeah and and so you you obviously right away um were, were seen very quickly as, as somebody who started dominating in some of these races is that you know when did you know um that okay this is this is something that I'm really good at because uh you know some people um I, I've talked to other people that are in the same kind of you know level as you and and some of them have said it was right away after the first time I did it others said I did it kind of on the side for a little while and then realized hey this might be the the direction I want to go in how did that work for you I think I've I'm, I'm lucky that I always grew up with sports so like my mom was putting me on skis and bikes and everything when I like just learned how to walk so I feel like I have like the genetics and like the ability to learn pretty quickly. And then the background of being a gymnast also gave me really good coordination and like just like tenacity to want to like keep doing the same thing until I get really good at it. Yeah. But I feel like what mattered more was that I first got into obstacle course racing. And at the time I was actually trail running because after gymnastics, I like gain a bunch of weight. So I like started running just as means to become healthy again. And so in a way, I just got lucky that obstacle course racing was trail running, which I just happened to be good at and gymnastics, which was what I did all my childhood. So I think I was just instantly good at it because of that. And then once you're good at something and it was something that I really enjoyed, it like just gave me this instant drive to like want to train harder and learn more and like figure out how to do 
this obstacle thing better. Yeah. And, and you, um, now a lot of the, the races that you do really well in are, are kind of that, um, longer endurance piece, obviously, and, and ultra running parts. Um, you know, there's a real mental toughness that comes through those and, and the people that do well have that. Is that, um, is that something that, you know, you say the same way? Does it, does it, is it innate in you? Or is it something you have to work on? Uh, you know, how do you get through those, you know, 24 hour races and be able to get past the things in your head? I think I think it's a combination of it being an innate thing and a combination of just getting better in time. And the reason for that is like when it's really shitty weather outside, I'm like, well, that like looks actually really fun. So I do the first step out the door and get myself in these like uncomfortable conditions. But then the more you do that, the more experience you have with being uncomfortable and like the more you're drawn to the races that make you uncomfortable the more you do the races in which you're uncomfortable and then the more experience you gain in how to make it through and like more tools in your toolbox that help you troubleshoot when like things inevitably go wrong in those kinds of situations. Okay. So that, that brings me to one of the things that you had done relatively recently was, um, you know, being part of uh, the uh, eco challenge or world's toughest race. Um, You know, obviously that's a, a, a very, long race and and really varied um first of all is had you done much kind of adventure racing before that um specifically and then you know just tell us a bit about what that experience was was like being uh being involved something that's also quite produced when when they're uh, they're going through the finished product with it yeah um i've done about zero adventure racing before <laughs> that and the, the way I actually got into it was through Ryan Atkins, um, which you mentioned has been on your um, podcast before, but he knew me from the 24 hour races. And like, we did some races that were in like really like miserable conditions and things like that. So I think he knew that I'm good at like getting through the really hard parts of the race, which is a bit really big part in adventure racing. But at the time when he like asked me if I want to do this, I like immediately said yes, because I knew about it. And it's been like, my childhood dream when I was watching those things on the TV that I wanted to do it. But he was like, don't worry about like the lack of skills that you have. We'll like teach you all of that. So like when I said yes to do that, I didn't have a mountain bike. I've never mountain bike. I've never really paddled. I've never rappelled. So there was a whole lot to learn in about half a year. Um, And it kind of was the catalyst that got me into all the multi-sport things that I do now because that was like when I actually learned all of those things. And when I learned that actually being a really good, like mountain endurance athlete is more than just running a lot. Yeah. And, and, and you, your team did very well. I mean, you came in second, which is pretty fantastic considering there were some kind of new people in there mixed with people that weren't. And, um, and I think really it was just the, the more kind of legendary adventure racing team that came in ahead of you guys. I, I did ask Ryan and I'll ask you the same thing is that um, what was the reaction after finding out that uh, uh, the New Zealand team got a, a new boat after they capsized? I, I know he had his take on it afterwards. Did, did you have any feelings about that afterwards when you came in second? <laughs> I think that no matter what, they were better racers than us. Um, yeah. I think they executed that race perfectly, and I think they were the deserving team to win. Um, if I was in their situation, I would not like that something I had no control over broke, and it basically stole my race. And in my situation, I would not feel good about winning that way. I want to win when my team is better than the other team, not when the other team got unlucky. So yeah. I think... I don't know like what happened. I wasn't there, but 
it makes me feel better about my achievements if I believe that what they said happened actually happened. And I think they deserve that um, second votes. And I think they deserve to win. But definitely how close it was. Like, yeah. I think what it did is it gave us motivation for the next race to do, you know, um, do better and yep. maybe not be an hour and a half behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, and for people to understand an hour and a half, watch the show, an hour and a half sounds like a really long time, but it actually on the grand scheme of things in those races, that's uh, it was a pretty, uh, pretty amazing feat that you guys had had accomplished there. The, the other thing that was relatively recent for you is some um, Spartan games, which is a whole different kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and it was one where uh, people were brought in from a, a bunch of different um, backgrounds and, and, uh, um, I guess, uh, you know, their, their own areas of expertise. Uh, what was that like for you, Rhea, knowing kind of you come from that endurance multi-sport kind of piece and, and uh, jumping into there where there were, you know, uh, you were doing wrestling, you were doing things that were maybe outside of, of the norm for what you've done before. Uh, let's just say I didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> yeah. I was told like, do this event. It's really fun. It has a bunch of endurance events. You'll be good at it. I was like, okay, sure. I'll do it. And I think I guess a little bit of a context um, that was happening right after that whole year off because of COVID. And it was kind of like a big year for me because I've been um, having like eating disorder issues for most of my life. And right when COVID happened, I finally addressed um, the demons of my life. And so that was probably the first race I was coming back to with a completely different body that I had no idea what it could do. And I also took about a year off of any strength training. So you can imagine when I did like 20 lunges with 40 pound dumbbells, I basically was riding my bike around the venue because walking hurt too much. So (laughs) it was a, it was a race of like, it was more of an event that kind of fueled my fire to really get back into training again afterwards. Um, but I would say it was more of like a, you know, like a thing that I did that was really inspiring watching other people crush it. But I wouldn't say it's the performance I'm most proud of. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think a lot of people in that one, because you're right, especially with COVID happening at the time, uh, people probably weren't in uh, in the same kind of uh, mindset they would have been before. And, and you mentioned there, and I, I thought um, uh, it, it's something that, that's important to kind of talk about a little bit, is that... Um, uh, you have, uh, you know, you, you've talked about it, and I know you've also written um, some some great articles about it, um, about struggling with with eating disorders and uh, um, and, and your own kind of uh, ability to go through that. And um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about it. I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, people who listen that, um, um, you know, n- probably need to hear a bit of that message as well, especially from somebody that they would assume, you know, an eating disorder for a high performance athlete like yourself wouldn't, wouldn't happen, but obviously it does. Yeah, I think it actually happens quite a bit. And I feel like COVID kind of brought a lot of that out um, just across a lot of sports where, um, you know, we're fighting gravity and I, it's been like something that's been with me since I've been seven. Um, and I think gymnastics kind of started all of it because I'm like, I always, it was, I, I would say it's not really external, but that's not true because we're always like bombarded with external messages or things like that. But I took it to a whole other level internally because I always associated success with having zero body fat and being really lean. And um, after after I quit gymnastics, I like gained like 40 pounds in two weeks. It was pretty insane because I didn't let me let myself eat any desserts. 
throughout my entire childhood. So like for my birthday, instead of getting a cake, my mom would take me to a market and I would pick out a fruit. So um, I've like, and that was all like self-imposed. Like I, my coach never told me you should do this. Um, but I saw that what I was doing gave me compliments and, you know, like it did give me short-term results. And so after I got back into competitive running and all of that, I kind of started getting back the body I used to have in gymnastics. Um, but I really liked eating. I didn't like feeling hungry and all of that. So I kind of started like sort of developing um, bulimia pretty early on when I got back into endurance racing. And it just got worse and worse and worse. Ironically, as my achievements got better and better and better, just because I was getting like really light and all of that. Um, but I kind of hit like a tipping point maybe a year before COVID when basically for a year I just ran injured and I ran through pain and I think my body just you know couldn't sustain itself on being under fueled the whole time so um I, I realized once the 2020 I think that was the year racing season was supposed to start I was driving to the first race of the season and like I just didn't want to do it I like had no motivation I didn't want to race anymore I was like maybe I should just get a real job um and then when it got canceled, I was actually glad. And like, then I started to like, think like, why, like, this is, this is the life I always wanted. Why, why am I not happy? And I kind of like occurred to me that the way I was training and the way I was racing just wasn't sustainable. Um, so I've, it kind of flipped a switch. Um, mm -hmm. I really wish I like talked to somebody earlier. I think I would have gotten over it earlier. Um, but kind of the ability to go for a year without having to race without having to put my body on the start line without anybody taking pictures of me um, without having to judge my own performance against the benchmarks that I knew um, and at the same time discovering new sports which had no benchmarks so like it didn't matter if I was like slow for a period of time because when my body was like trying to figure out what to do with all these calories now my metabolism like it took a year for it to get back to normal um i i wasn't performing very well um and i think if i didn't have that year off i think the journey back i don't know if it would happen i don't know if i would still be a professional athlete today and, and Rhea, when you were going through that you know when you you talked about you came and realized you, you know the the enjoyment just wasn't there um how did um like it did did somebody point out to you that it, it may be related to kind of eating habits and things like that? Or is it something that you just, you knew from kind of experiences before and suddenly you had the time to sit back and, and think about it? How did, how did that work for you to realize that that's one of the big contributors for it? I think I always knew it. Um, I always knew that what I was doing wasn't healthy and that it was basically a timeline that eventually is going to run out of time. Um, and I just didn't want to address it because I knew that, you know, like I was also at the same time kind of trying to eat really healthy and trying to like mm -hmm. promote the healthy lifestyle. So it just seems like if I come out and admit that this is my problem, like has like my whole thing that I've been saying, has it been yeah. a lie? But I yeah. think the big thing about that was just trying to say it so loud, I would hear it myself too. And I just didn't. 
Um, so I always knew it. And I think COVID finally gave me a chance to like actually listen to myself for a change. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you can make the argument now that that really you're probably more of a, an advocate and role model for healthy lifestyle than you ever were before because you've realized that. So, um, you know, I actually hope- do what I say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully that comes out of this now that that's, uh, you know, that's and do you feel, you know, when you're because you have started kind of doing things again and, and from that end, do you do you notice the difference a lot in in how you feel from from that end when you go into races or when you go into do activities now oh yeah absolutely um so I think just day to day I'm not hungry um I don't go into my second workout just hoping it's over so I can go eat and like binge on dinner um (laughs) and like I can like do things I wasn't able to do before like I can do races that are in the evening because I actually have energy to do them um I can go out and socialize with my friends to a restaurant I haven't see what the menu is ahead of time so it just like made me happier person on a day-to-day life and I'm much more durable I haven't been injured in a year and a half now and I'm gonna knock on the wood right now yeah <laughs> um and I just like I'm looking forward to every single event that I do I feel like I wish I could fit more in my life because I have the energy and motivation to do so yeah, that's that's awesome. And and so now you're uh, I mean, events are starting to, to kind of be a little more normal now. They're starting to, to open up and, and be uh, and, and hopefully start to see some normalcy across the board. Um, you, you do a lot of different things now, too, because I, I saw that, you know, you were doing things that are like sky racing and, and stuff like that. Um, what um, what do you have on top for the next little while? Like what uh, what what does what do things look like for you, considering uh, hopefully things start to come out of uh, of you know, the things over the last couple of years? Yeah, um, I feel like I've just been racing every weekend because yeah. at the start when races started coming back, I was like, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. But I never <laughs> looked at my calendar and I was like, oh, I guess I'm doing something every weekend. Um, but actually right now I just got back from Europe and, um, I am packing for a trip tomorrow. I'm going to California for the Spartan race, North American championship. And then two weeks after that, there's going to be their 24 hour championship, which I'll also be at. And then after that, I'll have about a month to get ready for the mountain bike stage race in Costa Rica. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so as you said, lots of different things. And then after that, um, this schema season starts, and I really want to focus on that for the winter. Um, I have some big lofty goals for my five-year plan. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's that's one thing, right? Do you um, do you have a? Are you the kind of person that sets goals, saying I'm going to do A, B, C, and D? Do they just kind of come as you go? How how do you approach your goal setting that way? Uh, most of the time, they just kind of come to me, and I'm yeah. like, oh, this is like really fun and. It's usually not very far ahead um, in time. So I probably drive my coach mad because I change my <laughs> schedule on uh, my like training log just about every week. Um, but um, just like this year, it was announced that schema will actually be a um, Olympic sport and it'll be in the first Olympics in five years. And when I was little, that was like been my dream in gymnastics. And I didn't make that one. Um, but I oh. guess I see this as an opportunity for another go and, you yeah. know, who knows if 35 is too old or if I'm even good enough if I have genetics for it, but you never know if you don't try your hardest. Mm -hmm. So my winters and part of my summers will probably be dedicated to trying to just be the best schema racer I can be. Um, It kind of feels weird saying that because I feel like I'm not really in the sport for that long. 
Um, but I really like skiing and I really like yeah. going uphill. Um, so <laughs> which, that's kind of, which I'd like to say is probably odd just so you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but good for you. <laughs> that's, that's great. And, and like, that's the thing too, though, is, is you are pretty good at, you can, you can jump from sport to sport. There are a lot of people that um, aren't able to do that, but you've got such a, um, a breadth of skill, which is, uh, which is pretty cool in itself. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we ask every person that we interview is um, we try to uh, have a couple of things that that our listeners can can take away and, and maybe, you know, apply in their lives right away. And um, and I thought the, the fact that you've been so open about some of those struggles around kind of fueling your body and, and some of the things that that weren't working, that you've you've obviously made a big change in your life. And and maybe if you can um, you know tell us that if if there's somebody out there who's listening that is realizing that, you know, maybe I'm not fueling my body properly, I. Either, or maybe there are some of these other things that I can I can take a more balanced approach to uh, to what I'm doing. Um, are there a couple of you know tips that you'd give them as to you know how they might start kind of looking at that uh, you know in a in a different way? Yeah, well, the way I started was I finally told somebody about it. Um, I kept it a secret for a very long time. My mom actually found through social media about it. Um, so I think just telling somebody like what you want to change and asking them just to be your like sounding board and hold you accountable for it is probably a really, really good start. And then I guess like second is like ultimately what you're doing should make you happy. Um, and if it's not like not obviously not every day and all the time, but like in the grand scheme of things, if it's not. I really think there's so many different ways to live your life that, um, you know, I guess like saying that I also makes me feel a little bit privileged because I didn't have like, whenever I made my life changes, I didn't have kids or mortgage or house or cats or anybody that relied on me. Um, but I feel like there's always like ways to make little changes. Um, it's just like, it takes like taking that first step. Um, I don't know if that was useful at all. That absolutely <laughs> again... is. And I, I, I think you're right to, to kind of that everybody can do that regardless of their, you know, they, they may not be able to make the big massive changes that some people can make, but there's, there's always something that you can change. And I, I think that, um, I think that's pretty, uh, um, pretty special to be able to say that. So, um, you know, if people are, uh, because obviously people love following what you're doing, Rhea, what are, what are the best ways of being able to find, to follow you and, and watch what you're up to in the next little while? I think Instagram is probably the best. Um, I'd say I'm there probably most often. And I try to respond to as many messages as I can. So um, I'd say probably that. I'm also on Facebook, but not as much. It's more just kind of what gets flushed there from Instagram. So Instagram would probably be the way. All right. And what we'll do is we'll put that in the show notes. So uh, if people are, are trying to find it, then we'll we'll make sure that people can get uh, connected to that. Um, it, some of the pictures that you post are fantastic because you'd be able to see some of the, the, the great races that you do do because you do like going uphill, which is kind of cool. You get to see some really cool stuff up there. So that's great. Um, and if you haven't, anyone listening, if you haven't um, you know followed uh, or um, subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do that right now. We have great people every week, just like Rhea. So um, make sure you do that and you'll be one of the first to hear when a new episode comes down. Um, also follow us on Instagram as well. That's at 
big idea underscore big moves. Um, we uh, have great content that's uh, there as well, and and obviously some uh, some discounts and special giveaways and all that fun stuff as well. So um, again, uh, you know, I know you've got a really busy schedule, Ray. So thank you for taking time today. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This was great. All right. And we will talk again to everybody else on Big Idea, Big Moves. 